Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Underground. Welcome back to Rotorob Fantasy Baseball Weekly Podcast. Heard every Thursday evening at 9 p.m. EST on Blog Talk Radio as we infect the airwaves with our unique blend of fantasy baseball enlightenment. We're into early July now, which means the All-Star break begins tomorrow. This week, a controversial game-tying hit by Addison Russell made the Cardinals lose it and push for expanded replay. Robinson Cano delivered a walk-off hit his first in almost six years, if you can believe that. And his ex-teammate, Alex Rodriguez, has expressed his disappointment in not making the All-Star team. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. We're going to cover so many more over the next 40 minutes or so, so pull up a beanbag chair and get comfy. I'm Rotorob, and my guest this week is Rotorob.com MLB editor Michael Seff. How are you this evening, Michael? How about yourself? Well, I'm not doing as well as Albert Pujols, who not only is having a renaissance season with an American League leading 26 homers, but has decided to enter the home run derby for the first time in six years. Now, I want to remind you the chat room and phone lines are open right now. Uh, I'm in the chat room there alone. Uh, anyone, feel free to join me or guests if you want to call in. Do so at 347-826-7358. I was having some uh, audio difficulties, so... Uh, let me know how it is on your end. If it gets really bad, I'll call in. Okay, Michael? Sounds good. Uh, now, quickly, before we get to the news of the week, I'm going to run down what's going on over at Rotorob.com. Baseball, every Sunday we have the Wire Troll, usually written by MLB editor Michael Seff, but this week written by Rotorob, and highlighting Cesar Hernandez. Our outfield rankings being worked on, getting there, and soon starting pitching uh, pitch for this year's positional rankings. Football, we started work on the 2015 NFL draft. Let's start rolling that soon. Rankings are all done, just adding strategy essays, which actually are all done as well now, and uh, not quite all done, almost, and adding profiles, and we'll start releasing them soon. Basketball, we are working on the 2015 draft recap, so stay tuned for that. Uh, hoping to get an update on that shortly. Hockey, once again, our best wishes for the continued recovery of NHL editor Dakota Case, uh, who celebrated his 25th birthday in the worst possible place in the hospital yesterday. But his numbers are improving as he awaits a heart transplant, so uh, we're pulling for you there, Dakota. Get well. uh, as far as hockey content goes, watch for a 2015 NHL draft recap and free agency recap coming soon. We are currently editing the free agency recap, so that will roll out 
first uh, in multiple parts, in fact. Uh, nothing new on the video game side of things this week, but new games being added constantly, so check back soon. We are now just two posts away from 4125 in the site's history, so should hit that mark this weekend. We will be releasing Rumor Up app very soon. In fact, I'm told it is now available, although I haven't seen the link, it is available in the iTunes App Store, apparently. So stay tuned for details about that. I'm going to write an article very shortly about what that's, what is that, what is involved and give you deets on how you can download the brand new Rotorob app. Very exciting. Now, the top story this week. Uh, last year, if you recall, Gregory Polanco in the first half absolutely molested AAA pitching, and he was the guy everyone was waiting to see get called up to the majors. The Pirates waited until June and, you know, really kind of uh, made everyone just, you know, stash him for weeks. And he just he came up and hit pretty well and cooled off in the second half, but had a pretty solid rookie year. Now, this season, he has been struggling, and he's just never really got it going. It's failing to build on that rookie effort. So we're going to explore what is going on with Gregory Polanco this evening. Michael, what's your theory on what is uh, ailing team? Uh, you cut out there for a second, but I think you. Well, it's just I was asking what you feel you what you feel is uh, ailing Polanco in 2015, who clearly has been unable to build on his great rookie effort. Yeah, I I think part of. It... Really, I don't know if it was a matter of not playing every single day. I mean, he's played in the majority of the games. He's played 80 games. I think part of it is just ability to consistently, you know, make contact. He's he's only times uh, this season, which isn't bad. Uh, but again, he's only getting a percent of the time, and and a big thing is just he doesn't quite have a. Ref- I mean, this is a time now with Josh Harrison on the shelf that he's going to get to play every day, and there's not going to be really a platoon situation. But obviously, uh, it's going to be a big adjustment for him because he can't hit left-handers. This is a guy that's in in 42 at-bats this season, is hitting 119 against left-handers. He's 5 for 42 uh, through Wednesday's game. So that's a hitter who's not having a lot of success. And uh, hello, Rob? Yeah, sorry, uh, you cut off at the end there. Having some massive audio problems. Uh, can you hear me okay? Because I'm really struggling to hear you. Uh, I can, I can. Can you uh, hear me any better? Yeah, you just were really fading in and out there. Um, as far as Polanco goes, he was our number 20 prospect in our top 65 prospects in 2014. Of course, graduated to the bigs last year. Uh, really scuffled, especially lately, batting 159 in the last month with no dingers and just one steal. And you mentioned Josh Harrison being hurt, but of course, if Starling Marte hadn't gotten hurt, Polanco probably would have been sent back to AAA. Still a possibility. You mentioned his left, it's the big one. A pitcher's gated with breaking balls. He's going to have to learn how to hit breaking balls if he's going to, you know, live up to his promise. Now, there have been some promising signs. He just missed a homer last night, 
hit, ripped one off the wall, settling for a key RBI single, his second straight game-winning hit. So hopefully a couple big hits in a row will spark him to a big second half. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him do well tonight as as well. He had a great history against Carlos Martinez. Let's have a look and see uh, how he's doing tonight. Have you had a chance to to see? Uh, I have not. I have not. Uh, I'm going to check right now. It doesn't look like yeah, that. Um, I'm looking that up right now and seeing what's going on. Pirates are being shut out only of three hits through five, so I'm guessing well, he's been on, Polanco he's been has on base twice. He's two for two, so. Uh, oh, he's yeah, one for one with not... a walk, yeah. So, again, he's, his history of uh, hitting Carlos Martinez is carrying through tonight, and he seems to be showing some signs of life. Uh, actually, it's perhaps an inopportune time for the All-Star break because when you start heating up, last thing you want is a few days off. But he's almost had the same number of games played as he did last year, so we have a pretty good comparison from his rookie year. But the numbers aren't getting any better. Striking out slightly more often, yet his slugging is down. That's a bad combo. K's up, powered down. Never like to see that. I'm okay with a few more strikeouts if it means more power, right? But the two should not be going in opposite directions there. Um, you mentioned Josh Harrison being out, and that's allowed um, Polanco to hit leadoff. A pretty smart move by the Pirates here, plugging him into the leadoff hole. Maybe that's given him a little bit of confidence the last few days, and he's starting to deliver. Uh, and it makes him a nice, very nice target, at least on a short-term basis. Of course, his chief weapon is speed. And while 17 for 24 this year on the stolen base is not a great percentage, he still ranks sixth in the National League in swipes. So he's been a nice asset from that perspective. And if he can improve his base running, he'll be a real weapon in this regard. I don't really see any weakness in Polanco's game. Uh, he's still a chance to be a fine across-the-board contributor. thing we have to think, consider, Michael, is he's still just 23, right? Yeah, he's, he's still young. They're going to be patient with him. And only now is he really being uh, – forced to, to try and carry a little more of the offense because they lose their leadoff hitter and kind of Mr. Everything, Josh Harrison. Yeah. I mean, of course, we're waiting for Polanco's power to emerge. Three years ago, he hit 16 homers at eight ball, and most um, uh, analysts believe that Polanco will hit for power in time. We definitely saw signs of that. I still love him against right-handed pitchers and in, in daily leagues. He's done very well against righties, but whatever you do, do not start him against a lefty and, <laughs> at all, if he's if he's playing, that is. But let's go back to the first half last year at AAA, where he looked like a five-tool player. Like In 69 games before he got recalled, he had seven homers, 51 RBI, 16 steals, a 328 batting average, 390 on base percentage, 504 slugging, falling all over themselves for this guy or when he finally came up to the bigs, eh, Michael? Yeah, it was it was really, it's been a drop-off because, as you said, he was a very heralded prospect and he kind of was showing signs of being that 5-2 player and the speed. Again, like you said, the speed, it, it, it's, it's hard to utilize the speed when you're not getting on base. He's only been on base about 30% of the time, so it's very difficult for... <laughs> for him to really uh, enjoy that aspect of his game as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, adding to the um, the hype was last year he went to the Dominican Winter League, which is a good league. And not only was he the rookie of the year there, but he was also the league MVP. It's like, and there's a boy playing among men at that point. So 
I still think there's a very bright future. In fact, I'd say that now is a great time to target him in keeper leagues. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think so because again, he's it's going to take some time, but it could be trial by fire. Just a simple fact of the more he plays, the more that he's exposed to having a a bat lead off every day, face left-handed pitching, uh, his numbers could get a rise. And, you know, maybe we're seeing it tonight on base a couple of times against Martinez. That's a bit of a confidence boost. This is a big series going against the best pitching staff in baseball, so should help him in the long run. Well, yeah, I I, I think uh, buying low is the way to go here at Polanco. Um, he's kind of fallen into one of that uh, uh, post-hype bargain because he has not exploded this year and had a breakout like many people have expected. But clearly at age 23, there's still massive, massive upside. The tools are there. He's shown it at the highest level other than the majors. He's shown it in the Dominican Winter League. I think um, if you can get him at a reduced price in a keeper league, you've got to make that move right now. And, and if you're if you're not in contention right now, and and let's say the uh, your keeper league his keeper league owner is in contention, give him something. Give him a guy having uh, like you know having uh, overachieving this year. Float that Blanco, see if it bites. Because three years from now, two years from now, you'll be loving that deal. So that's uh, that's my advice. Uh, anything else to uh, to mention about Polanco there, Michael? No, I think it is unfortunate for the Pirates dealing with the outfield injuries, and, and this could be one of those situations where even though Polanco's going to get to play every day now and he's counted on more, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, we're going to see him just suddenly find it right away. But uh, I, I like the idea of, investing in him for the future because obviously at a young age, I mean, he's not just going to be a, I don't think he'll be a bust his whole career. I think he's just sort of struggling to find it and get that consistency. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think uh, what he's shown the last few days is helping uh, stem any panic the Pirates have in terms of maybe thinking about sending him down to AAA. Now uh, let's take a quick look at the afternoon games. I was uh, watching uh, an American League game, uh, specifically the A's against the Yankees. Um, this game was easily by the Yankees, six to two. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka pitched extremely well, and Brett Gardner got the Yanks going with a with a home run, and then found out he's got Alex Gordon on the All Star team. a very very great day for Brett Gardner. The Yanks actually, uh, after taking the early lead in the first inning, Yanks trailed 2-1 to one midway through the third before tying it and then adding two more in the fourth to take the lead for good and then kind of moseyed on there for the victory to take the series two games to one after dropping the opener against Oakland. Brought up from AAA before the game, Cole Figueroa made his debut for the Yankees and he hit two doubles. He was only playing because Chase Hudley is dealing with a sore cap in his missed last two games, although he may be back this weekend. So no no need to panic uh, if you're a Hedley owner. For Oakland, not much offense to speak of. They only managed three hits on the day. Billy Butler got one of them, scored a run, drove in a run, struck out twice, did deliver his 16th double of the year, maintained his 250 batting averages on base percentages down to three. Butler is just three three in the last week. He struck out seven times in the last five games, but had a good series with two doubles and a homer in this three-game series, so at least his power stroke is looking good. 
Last year, he had a career low 271. So at 250 this year, this is way below our expectations. Keep in mind that Butler, for his career, is better than a 290 hitter. So I don't know what's going on lately, but his 690 OPS is also a career low this year. At this point, I'd say Butler is not even a good mixed league option at this point. Marcus Semien uh, did not do anything offensively, but did make his 28th air commit his 28th error in the year. Eight more than anyone else in the bigs. He is definitely on his way to Mr. Butterfingers award in the uh, MLB this year for sure. Uh, Jesse Chavez started the game for the A's. He has actually been remarkably good against the Yankees. So I picked him uh, in DFS leagues. I recommend him in DFS leagues because He's 4-0 with a microscopic ERA in his career heading into this game against the Yankees and 3-1 against everyone else. Uh, Yankees, but his luck ran out. Suffered his first loss ever in six career appearances, and he has now gone three starts overall without winning, so he's kind of hitting the skids. Lasted five innings, ripped for seven hits, four runs, struck out three, also walked three, gave up a homer. 41 of his 93 pitches were balls, so he had some command issues there and drops to four and nine with his ERA rising to 3.40. Three weeks ago, Chavez was looking like a solid play, but things have been pretty bad over the last four starts. And I would say he's only advisable in ale only leagues at this stage. For the Yankees, as I mentioned, Gardner, huge day, three for five. He has got a run in an RBI on his 10th homer of the year, second straight year. He's reached double digits and dingers. 40 RBIs now. That's the fourth time he's reached that mark. This guy's on base percentage is up to 381. He's slugging 490. And that is his seventh three-hit game this season. He was super hot at the end of the at the end of July. Kind of cooled off a bit this week, but looks like he's hitting up right again. He now has 62 runs in 79 games, which puts him on pace to shatter his career best by a boatload. Gardner's making better contact this year, and he's on pace for his best stolen base season since 2011. Definitely deserves that all-star nod. Uh, Mark Teixeira, I would say, is making a case for comeback player of the year. He drove in a run today and has already matched his RBI total from all of 2014. As I mentioned, Tanaka was brilliant today. He had gone four starts without winning, which actually was the longest he's ever gone without a win since coming to the majors. But... uh, seven and two-third innings, only gave two hits, two runs, only one was earned, struck out six, walked one, had to throw 114 pitches for his fifth win of the season. He retired the last 13 batters he faced and 18 of the last 19. This was, in fact, his longest outing of the year and the most pitches he's thrown all season, which suggests to me he's feeling good now, but as we know, he can through a slight tear in his UCL, his elbow remains a ticking time bomb. Bear that in mind, owners. Uh, he's actually had been getting rocked lately, so this was a much-needed outing. If he has another one or two of these, again, as I recommended all season long, shop him immediately. As soon as Tanaka runs a streak of one, two, three solid outings in a row, put him on the market, see what he can get. Uh in the Windy City, the Jays were visiting. Michael, what happened with the uh, Blue Jays and White Sox today? Yeah, Jeff Samarja did something that uh, is very, very difficult for pitchers this year, and that is shut out 
the offensively potent Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, Samarja throwing a four-hit shutout with just one walk and five strikeouts for his sixth win of the year, and the White Sox getting just enough offense as they win it two to nothing. Both runs coming in the sixth inning. They scored on a wild pitch by R.A. Dickey, and then a former Blue Jay haunting his old club, Melky Cabrera, a solo home run, his fourth of the year, and that was all that Jeff Samarja needed because he was outstanding. He was efficient, 108 pitches, 70 for strikes, and we're hearing Samarja's name as a possible uh, trade candidate. A lot of teams that would want him, he's started to put it together again after a, a pretty rough start. The question is, will, would he stay in the American League or go back to the National League in a trade? That would remain to be seen. The White Sox, as bad as things have been for them this year, still only five games under 500. Problem is they're in a very difficult division, and the Jays, in losing three out of four in this series, they have continued to struggle, and they fall to 500. As the uh, as you mentioned, the Yankees, they're now up three games on the Orioles in the American League East. The Jays fall to three and a half back. And again, nothing doing offensively for the Blue Jays, and a big culprit for that was Josh Donaldson, the MVP candidate. He was 0 for 4 today and hitting the two big double plays uh, that certainly did not help. Russell Martin, a couple of pass balls behind the plate. That gives him 16 on the year. Of course, you can understand it when it's R.A. Dickey on the mound. Dickey now 3-10 and 10 in what may end up being his final season. Didn't pitch badly, not by any stretch. Two runs uh, in seven innings on four hits, walked two and struck out six, but the offense just left him high and dry. So the Jays did not get any extra base hits, and they were shut down by Samarja. So the Shy Sox end up taking three or four. They wanted to two to nothing again. Cabrera with the home run. Uh, Adam Eaton also had a triple uh, and a run scored in this ball game. Jose Abreu had a couple of hits. So it was a pitcher's duel, and the Shark, Jeff Samarja, getting the better of R.A. Dickey in that one. And uh, Rob, what do you think? Did Jeff Samarja, will he be moved at the deadline? Uh, that's what I keep hearing. And the question is to who? And ironically, Toronto's one of the teams that could use him and has talked about potentially getting him. So the Jays got a first-hand look today at what they may be acquiring. And regardless of where he goes, today's effort will massively boost um, the return the White Sox are going to get. The Yankees are said to be in the mix too. Luis Severino is a guy the Yankees desperately don't want to move but may have to if they're going to pry Samarja away from the White Sox. So, the mix. We'll see what happens, but I'm pretty sure he's going. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but it doesn't seem like the White Sox are, are doing too badly. I mean, everybody is technically in it in the American League, but they've got to think long-term. I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved, uh, and the American League East seems like a, a pretty good landing spot. Well, as a as a pending free agent, I mean, yeah, it's the ideal time to move him. Absolutely, especially if he's heating up and and like you said, shutting down the Jays is not an easy task. So that is a hell of an outing for him today. Um, in other news, I was looking at a couple outfielders that uh, hit the skids this week in terms of injuries. First off, Washington's Denard Span will be out until after the All Star break because of back spasms. He's kind of been dealing with a back issue for about a month now. Keeps going away, coming back, going away, but now they've decided that it's bad enough. They're going to sit him down through the break. He had an MRI this week. The results were due today. I haven't heard yet uh, what the results are. Uh, but the MRI be 
right. disabled. Cutting out, there. Tough. cutting out there a little, Bob. Sorry, I didn't, hear, I didn't catch what you were just saying. Oh, yeah, just saying pending the MRI results for Span will determine whether he's on the DL or not. Uh, it's a tough loss for the Nats. I mean, not only their leadoff hitter, but having a very good year batting 305, leading the team with 11 steals, and has not been caught. But the, the Nats need to do something here. He had missed five of the last 12 games before they decided it's time to sit for an extended period, showing his best extra base pop since his rookie season, 59 games, 15 doubles, five homers. Um, tough loss for the Nats here, eh? Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries and losing Jason Worth, so that would really deplete their outfield further and still waiting on Ryan Zimmerman to come back, and they were without Anthony Rendon for a while. And this is a team that I've just said all along, they kind of look like paper champions, and they need all of their guys healthy. It's going to make it very difficult, and they're so dependent on their starting rotation. And Span especially being a big loss because he plays outstanding defense, hits for average, gets on base. I think he's one of the more underrated or at least less talked about guys nationally. Uh, and fantasy owners certainly know what they're missing if, if they lose a Denard's fan. Mm-hmm. Um, any other stories you were looking at the, this week that you wanted to bring to the table there, Michael? Uh, well, I mean, I think uh, it's funny. We were talking about the teams that might be trading and, and the Yankees. And, of course, we follow or we live in American League East cities. And uh, I've kind of suspected all along we might see the Yankees start to gain some separation. Uh, I want to get your take on whether you think that the AL East will stay tightly bunched or if we will see the Yankees kind of take off a little bit now that they have Ellsbury and and Andrew Miller back in the mix. And, you know, Boston playing very well too. Yeah, Boston's starting to show that they, I mean, obviously the last couple weeks have been key whether Boston's going to decide whether they're in it or out of it. And now that they're starting to win some games, it's being in the American League East does not take a huge winning streak to realize you're still very much in it. I still believe we haven't seen the best of the Orioles here. Um, but as far as the Yanks go, as far as pitching, I mean, they need Pineda to continue to be consistent. Tanaka has got to stay healthy, and we need to see more of today's version as opposed to what we've seen in the last three weeks or so. CC Sabathia, who the freak knows? So will Luis Severino be in the mix? Uh, how much can we count on Ivan Nova coming back from Tommy John surgery? There's just a lot of question marks. There's no doubt the Yankees' bullpen is phenomenal, but there's too many question marks in that rotation for me to feed the division to them. Yeah, but I, again, I think that they're going to be pretty aggressive trying to get a starter at the deadline and, you mentioned the Orioles and being an Orioles fan, it's, it's been frustrating to watch. They've been very streaky this year. And remember last year, they, they they didn't start out all that great. They went on a really big run over the last, you know, 80 or 90 games to kind of run away with that division, ended up winning 96 games. But their offense, kind of one-dimensional, very re- very reliant on the long ball. Don't And they hit a lot of those as solo home runs. And, and they're facing a kind of a tough situation as far as, uh, going into next season, they've got three guys that are not only free agents, three key guys, three guys that are Scott Boris client free agents, and the Orioles being a little tight with the wallet the way they are, I don't see them really signing any of these three guys. So I've kind of pondered whether they, you know, you can't say that they should be sellers because they're very much in it, but even a guy like Wei and Chen, for example, what can they really, you know, do, do they want to maybe even think about moving him or, 
because they're going to lose him at the end of the season. It's, there's a lot of tough decisions for the Orioles. Well, I mean, they're kind of in it, that you know, it does now do, mode. It, yeah, it does behoove the Orioles to move a starter of some kind, though, regardless of who it is. Uh, it would be helpful if Bud Norris were pitching more like he was last year because it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, we were moaning last week about Kevin Gossman. When the hell is he going to finally put in the rotation? Now he's in the rotation. He was brilliant in his first outing. His second outing, uh, not so much. But I still believe, you know, in time he's going to be phenomenal. But the Orioles have pitching, and there are teams out there that need pitching, so they need to parlay that into, into bullpen depth or whatever it is that they, they feel they need prospects, uh, whatever, and they'll be okay. Uh, we didn't mention Tampa Bay, but they've kind of shot themselves in the foot lately. They were right in the mix, and they've just fallen off the map, and now they're only a game ahead of the Red Sox who are in the cellar. So, of course, there's only five and a half games separating first from last in this division. So this one's going right down to the wire, my friend. Yeah, and the Red Sox, and there was so much consternation about the starting pitching, and I think the guy that's really – pitched well all year, but we didn't hear a lot about him was Clay Buckholz. And, you know, yeah. he, he, I would say he's one of the better pitchers in the division. I mean, you know, I, I actually had this discussion with someone uh, about, you know, who would you say the best pitcher in the American League East is? And, you know, Chris Archer gave up nine runs uh, the other night. So I still like him on that list, but, you know, I, I would maybe make a case that Clay Buckholz might be the most consistent pitcher, if nothing else. He could be. I mean, he certainly bounced back from what was a nightmare in 2014 where he was hurt a lot. I mean, we saw glimpses of how good he can be in 2000. And, of course, that was also an injury-shortened season. So durability has been a concern for him. But right now, had he not been taking the ball every five days and doing what he's been doing, the Red Sox would not be within shouting distance of the of the rest of the teams. There's no doubt he's been really, really great. But it's not enough. Boston needs... Uh, something besides a bunch of number five starters behind him. They need a solid number two. They need Samarja, or you know, or they need Hamels, or you know, and that that rumor won't go away either. The Boston will be in play for Hamels. Um, over in the uh, AL Central, Michael, another um, outfielder, key outfielder going down. This is a bad one. Alex Gordon of the Royals came out early last night and wound up suffering a severe groin strain. Landed on the DL, going to sideline him for at least eight weeks. He won't need surgery, that's the good news, but obviously this is chance at playing the All-Star game. And really, at this point, he may not be back before the end of the regular season because by the time he's healthy, you know, and does his rehab and everything, it's conceivable that we won't see Gordon again until the playoffs, assuming the Royals make it. Yeah, that's a, it was a, bit, a tough Tough uh, injury to see, too. He was down on the field for a while. This is a guy that sacrifices his body like nobody nobody else in this game. And not just the numbers. He's fifth in the league and on base percentage. Uh, he's having a pretty good year. But it's, it's him being the emotional leader of that team, him being a tremendous, maybe the best defensive left fielder in the game. And, you know, for a while, people didn't know what, what we were going to see from Alex Gordon as a former number one overall draft pick. It's a big loss, but the Royals have – just they've shown that they're one of those teams that can be a next man up, and it'll be interesting to see yeah. how how they address that left field situation if they go in the trade market or if they're comfortable with you know a Paulo Orlando and Gerard Dyson kind of platoon out there. So you know they've got a comfortable division lead, and and they're obviously pretty confident. 
from their postseason run last year because they, you know, last year, remember, they didn't even win their division, and they really struggled head-to-head with the Tigers. But when you look at the rest of the division, I mean, nobody knows if Minnesota's going to hold up. Uh, You know, Kansas City, I don't want to say that they can afford it, but they're in pretty good shape that if they get him back for the postseason, uh, you know, they'll feel a lot better if they can kind of tread water in the meantime and and, and then get him back for a, a playoff, a potential playoff run. Well, yeah, as you said, Dyson and Orlando will have to step up now in uh, Gordon's absence. I'm interested to see if they're finally going to set Raymond Fuentes free. He's he's just come off the DL at AAA, was having a great year at AAA. Uh, he was brought up earlier in the year, like for one game, I think, like uh, one of those um, 26-man doubleheader things, I think, but he didn't even see any action in the bigs again. Uh, and I'd like to see him get it. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. Now, from a fantasy perspective, uh, with a couple of big outfielders going down the last two days, Span and Gordon, I think fantasy owners should look at like uh, Marlon Burt, Alejandro De Aza would be uh, three obvious candidates. They're probably widely available, uh, widely available, excuse me, um, and uh, would definitely be good options if you if you're a Gordon or Span owner. Anyone um you'd be looking at to uh pick up in instead of uh Span and Gordon? Well in terms of, of the outfield, yeah, what the Aza was actually and that guy I was thinking of and speaking of the AL East, the Orioles gave up on him and, and then he uh, has gone to Boston. He's hit over three hundred since he's been there. I, I really like that addition and, and again, you know, Polanco, of course he's not necessarily a troll candidate, but we were plugging him and you start thinking this time of year about guys that maybe didn't have an opportunity to play every day that were underachieving that are now going to be asked to do a little bit more as the season goes on and of course Deaza I mean you you know at the beginning of the year the Red Sox seemed like they had way too many outfielders and then they go out and get this guy needing an extra outfielder and he's been one of their most consistent players since they got him yeah, and the guy they expected to be their best outfielder has been sent back to AAA and Rusty Castillo. Or, I mean, certainly one of their best. I mean, Hanley Ramirez probably expected to be their best. But uh, Castillo was expected to really, you know, be a revelation this year and so far, you know, hasn't worked out. Uh, I still think it'll be a factor in the second half. We shall see. Um, got a special treat for you there, Michael. All right. You all set? Well, uh, it's in that time of the evening where we're going to be doing some... Got some background music for you. All set? All right. All right. (laughs) Go for it. Pimp away, Michael. Oh, that was the okay. All right, I like that. That was good. I I thought you were going to quiz me on the name of the uh, on the name of the song. No, I, were, I, I just wanted. Like, I, I was searching for some for music that I thought would be good pimping music. That's I'll just good. Play it quietly uh, in the background. Have, don't have too much to pimp this week because we're coming up on the All Star break. Other than we'll have the uh, uh, the starting pitcher rankings pretty soon. And actually, I had. Um, an article over on a, a site um, that got a lot of hits that was talking about the Josh Donaldson and Brett Lowry trade, uh, which, you know, Billy Bean took a lot of heat for, 
but it's really uh, really not nearly as bad a trade as people seem to think. Yeah. All I, right. I, I noticed Are you the music going in the background there. I didn't know if we were going to play uh, play over it. All right, your your turn. No, I was just I just loving the the, the pimping music, and I figure I'll just put it on quietly in the background while you talk. It's your new theme music when you pimp shit. You All like right. it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I dug up some porn groove. I figured it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got nothing to pimp. Well, pimped up front, so I mean, the big thing is the Rubber Rob app. I'll have more deets on that as we, uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks, but uh, that's it for me tonight. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, of course, it, it's funny we get the All Star break and uh, it's come up upon us so fast. And uh, of course, we're, we're never going to get you started on the whole home field advantage thing, but. Uh, I gotta no. think that right now in the All Star Game, just to met, just because we I brought it up, uh, I think it's more meaningful for a team like the Cardinals or the Pirates because you've got the two teams playing this weekend and uh, they they have the best record. And I always start thinking about the All Star Game and how home field advantage might impact certain teams more than other teams. You know, if you're a player on say the White Sox or the Phillies, you may not have quite the incentive to go win the all-star game but if you're a player on the cardinals or uh, or the pirates or the yankees this is a, a big deal yeah i mean you also look at uh i mean it's not going to have an effect on the actual all-star game now but down the road you look at teams like the mets who are so good at home and so awful on the road what a big difference it would be to have a home field advantage for them in the uh, All-Star game. Wow, we played the whole song in the background. Groovy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and remember last year in the All-Star game, you know, there was Adam Wainwright took a lot of heat for throwing a cookie to Derek Jeter, and it was uh, the final score of that game was 5-3, to three, and all five runs were given up by Cardinals pitchers, and obviously I know the Cardinals did not end up making the World Series, but they did get to the National League Championship Series, and that meant that the American League got home field advantage because of that, so you wonder if, if something like that could happen again. And obviously it doesn't always work out the team with home field wins, but I would say more often than not, uh, it does. Yeah, I still think that's just ridiculous. But, you know, I get the spirit of what they're trying to do, but it was just way too reactionary to try to bring into it. So, um. I guess that's a wrap. You got anything else for us or uh, time to shut things down for the evening there, my friend? Uh, we'll shut things down, I think, for the evening. I think I'm good. I think that music was a perfect way to, to wind this evening down. Absolutely. Well, we're going to close the show with some Sean Mulrain, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for coming on the show, Michael. Have a great All-Star break. You too, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> Hey! 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.